good morning. Glad you guys are here. As you're aware, I'm doing double duty today, so let me forgive me while I take a sip of something here. All right. I want to start out this morning uh, just sharing a little story with you. I heard a number of years ago. True story. Love it. It's about a cop who... Uh, who along the, the path of his life had become a Christ follower and started to realize he was called to be a disciple of Jesus. And so he was uh, start, starting to kind of question and wonder, like, how in the world can I be a police officer and, and live out the mission of Jesus that he's called me to, to go and make disciples? How can I do those two things at the same time? And the, the problem, right, he's, he's like, I spent my entire day either giving tickets or arresting people. How exactly do you do that in Jesus' name? Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you do that in a way that draws people to Jesus? He's like, it's such a weird thing. And so he started pondering and considering what could I possibly do to really live effectively and to be a witness and to, to make disciples at my workplace. He thought, well, you know, at the bottom of a ticket, do you, do you kind of write on there like a little Bible verse or something? He's like, that's not going to work. You know, God loves you. Here's a ticket for $500. Like, how do you do that? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. He's like, well, maybe I could put like a little fish or a Christian symbol cross or something at the bottom. He thought, that's never going to, like, that's not going to work. And, and so he just, what he decided is he said, you know, I'm going to actually, I'm just going to start praying. Every time I walk up to a car, every time I walk, uh, you know, walk into a situation, I'm just going to start praying and just say, God, if you can use me, right, if you can use me in this situation, just lead me and guide me. And with your help, I'll follow. I'll follow you. And so he started doing this as, as kind of a practice. And there was this one day. Uh, there was a car. He thought they were drunk, right? There was a car. It was going swerving all over the road, and he thought oh, it's going to be a DUI, right? So he he flips on the lights, pulls them over, and as he as he starts walking up to the car, uh, he uh, he just prays the way he had he had been doing. God, if there's some way you want to use me in this situation to show your love, to show your grace, to show your power, uh, then just just prompt me. And all, as soon as he got done thinking thinking that prayer in his head, he had this thought. He's like. He said, I can't describe it. It wasn't like an audible voice, but it was just, just this gut feeling. He's like, I think I need to show them grace. That was, that, was the, that was what flashed through his mind. He thought, well, that's weird. So he said, okay. And he was, he was all business as usual, walks up the way you're supposed to, up to the, up to the car, license and registration. And when he, as soon as he gets up there, the, there's a woman that's in the driver's seat. She's like, figures. It's only going to get worse. And, and she kinda, he's like, driver's and registration. And uh, she's like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to end it all anyway. And, uh, and so he starts, starts writing the ticket, and he gets this sense again, uh, this, this little nudge that says, uh, show her some grace. Let her know that I care about her and that it's going to be okay. And so he, he says, ma'am, he said, I don't usually do this kind of thing. He said, but I have this overwhelming sense that I'm supposed to tell you that God loves you and that it, he forgives you. It's going to be okay and that I'm supposed to do this. And he took the ticket, he ripped it up, and he walked away. And uh, as he's walking back to the car, I mean, there's, it was this dual kind of feeling, right? On the, on the one hand, he felt good. He's like, cool, I, I, I responded to a prompting of the Spirit. I hope that was you, God. But on the other hand, he's thinking, if anybody back at work finds out about this, I'll be written up. <laughs> like, this is a, I, I, you can't just go around doing that kind of thing. You know, I, I could be in significant trouble. And uh, he goes on, though, and gets back in his car, drives on. And that's the last he hears of it. Uh, he goes on. Doing his, doing his thing, praying that prayer on a regular basis. Two years go by, and he ends up one day just doing a routine traffic stop or somebody goes speeding a little bit, and he pulls him over, flips on the lights, pulls him over, and uh, this time, when he as soon as he steps out of his car, 
a woman hops out of the car from him and starts running towards him going, it's you, it's you, I can't believe it's you. And his, his instant reaction in training is to reach for his gun, right? I mean, like, he's like, oh. and it's pretty soon it dawns on him. He's like, this is the woman that I ripped up her speeding ticket. And she grabs him by the arm, pulls him back to the car, and, uh, and takes him to the backseat and shows a little girl that's, uh, that's in the backseat of the car in a, uh, in a booster seat or, or whatever it is. And, and, and she says this, this is Molly, she said. And I want you to meet Molly. Molly is like God's grace to me. She said, two years ago, you pulled me over and I just found out I was pregnant. And when I told my parents, they kicked me out of my house. I was so upset that I was on my way to go drive off a bridge and kill myself. She says, but then you pulled me over. And I thought, great, it's gonna get even worse. But then you ripped up my ticket and you told me that God loved me and forgave me and that it was gonna be okay. And that act of grace reminded me of my grandmother, she says, a great woman of faith. And so I decided, you know what? Maybe I'll call her and see if I could go and live with her. And I did. And a few months later, I became a Christ follower. And she said, and what I want, I want, what I want you to know, I've been praying and looking for an opportunity to be able to tell you this in person. And she said, but Molly and I, we are here today because of you. She said, you saved my life. Isn't that a great story? I love stories like that. But I, I, was, I was thinking of that story this week and thinking, man, that's what happens. That's what happens when we as Christ followers, when we as disciples of Jesus Christ, when we, when we decide we are no longer content to just stay and do our own nice little churchy thing. But when we decide, you know, we're going to actually live as disciples. We're going we're gonna to start looking through the lens of the mission of Jesus, through the great commission that he has given us to go and make disciples. When we start praying that way and we start living that way, holy cow, you just never know what God's going to do. You just never, and it, it kind of makes me wonder, oh, what do you think? What kind of stories are, are lying in store for you and for me if we were to say, you know what, we're going to actually take this great commission we've been talking about, this call, this, this mission to go to the world and bring the good news about Jesus to them and help make other disciples. What, what kind of stories does God have in store for you as you follow and obey and go. He wants to use you to change the world. He wants to use me to change. He wants to use us to change the world by going and making disciples. Well, we're on week number three of a series that we're doing here at Ignite called Simple Discipleship. And, and we've been trying to get back to, to kind of the heart of what it is that Jesus calls us to, the life that he calls us to live. And we've been learning from this, this passage of scripture, it's two verses or something, that uh, is known as the, the Great Commission. It's some of his last and standing orders for his church, some of his last words that he leaves to his followers uh, when he calls them to go and to make disciples. And so we've been kind of zeroing in on that and saying it's actually, we make Christianity, we make the life of Jesus so hard sometimes. But really the life that Jesus has for us is pretty simple. He says, come and follow me, come and obey me, and then go and make disciples, make other disciples who learn to follow me and obey me. It's really that simple. Now, living that out is not always simple, is it? It's, it's, there's some challenges to it, discerning, you know, when, when it's God, when it's not, having the courage to step out in faith. It can, it can be a challenge, but it really is 
pretty darn simple. The thing is, is God is called to, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have opened up your heart and life and received him and asked him to come in and forgive you for your past and to be your God and to come and take up residence in you and be your savior and all that kind of stuff, if you put your faith and trust in him, then according to the scriptures that we're, that we're reading throughout this series, he wants to use you to change the world. He wants to use you to have impact, to change lives, sorry, to change the world one life at a time. But the thing that's interesting about that, and I, I, I feel this way, I'm sure uh, many of you feel this way at times, is like we can say stuff like that, and do I believe it? I kind of believe it, right? And I kind of don't believe it. Could God use you to change the world? Could God use you to impact dozens and hundreds and maybe more of the people around you for his kingdom? Could he use you to draw coworkers and other extended family members and neighbors and whatever into the kingdom? Could he use you to, to change the fabric and the culture of, of your world. And I think, I think sometimes we, we say, yes, but part of us kind of says, I'm not so sure, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, like, yes, do we believe that God can use Lee to change the world or that God can use Joel to change the world or, or, or Ryan or something or somebody else? Where sometimes we look at him and we say, well, I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's people, they just have a closer walk with God and I believe they could do it, but I'm not so sure. But I mean, I got my own crap I'm dealing with, right? We've got, we've got our own sin and we're, we've got to take out the trash and we know, we got to know our own junk and we're like, I'm not so sure that God can use me in those kinds of ways. And I have to say, if you have ever wondered or if you've ever doubted or ever thought, I'm not so sure if God can and will use me uh, to change, to have impact on the world around me, then I think you're in the right spot today because God has some great stuff in store for you. Because today we're going to talk about God's power, going in God's power. And I think it's a message that all of us need to hear. So with that, we're going to dive into our passage today and just read through it afresh. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. It says, then Jesus came uh, to them, to his followers, and said this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because of that, he says, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Here's what's cool about this passage. And I love, I love the way it's put together because I think it speaks to us, right? Is that he sandwiches, I'm gonna come back to this in a second, but he sandwiches the call, the commission to go and make disciples. He sandwiches it between two promises. One is that he holds all authority and therefore we have, we can go in his authority to make disciples. And the other one is on the bottom of that. He, he reminds us again, it says, and by the way, in case you forgot and thought this had to do with you and your strength and your power, in case you forgot, here's just a reminder, I am with you always to the very end of the, I will never leave you. I will, I will never, I hold all authority and I am with you. Isn't that great? This is, this is the good stuff, man. This is awesome. It's fantastic. And I was thinking about it this week and thinking about the context. I mean, he's, he's appearing to his disciples, and sometimes we can do what I just said about Lee or Ryan or some of these others. We can kind of elevate those early disciples and be like, well, yeah, of course he can use them. That makes sense. But I was thinking this week about the context that Jesus is speaking to them in. This is not, he is not speaking to them in moment of great strength. They are not coming down off the mountaintop of their own personal achievement. Right? Are they? 
Now they are in the sense that like Jesus just rose from the dead, <gasps> jaw dropping. But in terms of like the last test that they had, they failed epically, right? I mean, you guys remember when, when Jesus is on trial, he's, go, he's on his way to the cross. What happens to the disciples, by the way, his followers? What happens to them? They scatter, they betray Peter, who's supposed to be the rock, right? The one that Jesus says he's, he's going to build his church on. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against. I mean, it's kind of a, that's an aw- what kind of awesome epic leader is he? Well, he ran away when a little girl tried to challenge him and ask him if he was with Jesus. He ran away afraid, right, and denied the whole thing. Like, no, I don't, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. They all ran away. Peter and some of the others went back to fishing. <laughs> they thought it was over. This was not a moment of high achievement for them. In fact, they had every right to kind of doubt their own abilities at this point, right? I mean, if, it's, if this commission, if Jesus is speaking to them and saying, man, I'm going to use you to go and transform the whole world. <laughs> if, if you're sitting there kind of, you're like, Jesus, you might have the wrong team, right? I'm not sure we're up for this. I mean, did you see us? Like, we scattered. We couldn't stand up to anybody. That's not really the point, is it? The point isn't uh, about their power. The point isn't about their authority. But when Jesus comes and says, man, you're my plan A to take this message to the world, and I don't have a plan B. On their own, they would need to be reminded where the power comes from. Because if the power comes from them, if they're just saying, you need to get to work and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go, 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 if it's on them, there's no stinking way the gospel makes it out of the first century. Let's be honest. It, it wouldn't ever happen. And so Jesus reminds them. You see, he reminds them because they need to hear it. He reminds us because we need to hear it, don't we? That He says, you know, before we get to the Great Commission, before we get to the fact that I have amazing plans, I'm going to use you to transform the world. Before we get to that, let me just remind you, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, all power, all kingdom, all dominion, all, I hold everything in my hands. It's been given to me. Therefore, in my authority, in my name, I am sending you out to go. And I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Those are the two words, the two kind of thoughts that are sandwiched in there. The first one, all authority has been given to me, Jesus, Jesus says, therefore, go. In other words, he's saying, I have all the power you need. Everything is under my control, under my rule. I hold all authority, so I am sending you out again in my authority, in my name, filled with my power to go and make disciples. I mean, and even, I mean, just remembering the, the, the narrative, remembering the story at this point. This is the Jesus that's saying this. He, he's not just lip service. This is the Jesus they killed. And what happened? He didn't stay dead, right? He conquered death. He conquered sin. He conquered hell, right? He conquered everything and came back. So he's the one saying, I have authority. I have power, and he's shown it already to his followers. He's shown it to the world. He's shown it, he showed it to a bunch of people that didn't, didn't even believe in him at the time. That he is alive. He's like, I have authority. There is nothing that can hold me down. All power has been given to me, so therefore go. And then again, he ends it with the same thing. And surely I'm with you always 
to the very end of the age. They needed the reminders, and we do too. Here's kind of the big picture for today. Here's kind of the, the phrase I'm, I'm using and just thinking about our effectiveness and our ability to carry out his great commission to go and make disciples. It is not based on our competence. It is not based on our power, but it's based on the supremacy and the power and the competence and the greatness of Jesus. His strength and his power is more than enough to carry out his plans. Our only job, our only job as, as Christ followers is to do exactly what we've been talking about, is to follow him, is to obey him, and is to step out in faith and go and make disciples. As we do that, he provides the power. I was playing with the phrase uh, over and over. This, I mean, here's the thing. We provide the ordinary. He provides the extra, right? That's the deal. That's ordinary is all we have to bring to the table. We bring our obedience, and we bring hearts that are wide open to him, and we follow and obey, and we go. And he provides the supernatural power that transforms li lives, that transforms eternities, that changes families, that brings forgiveness and healing to the nations, right? It's the good stuff. All we have to do is follow. All we have to do is obey. All we have to do is bring the ordinary to him. I was thinking this week and remembering a time, uh, just to illustrate this a little bit. Um, after my sophomore year in college, I'd been a Christ follower for a little over a year at that point. Um, uh, as I was going through my sophomore year, in fact, in November, uh, the uh, Berlin Wall came down. Right? And so the, the former Soviet Union was now open to the gospel of uh, typically an atheistic state. Right, They'd been teaching that for decades. Like there is no God and it's all just us and uh, humanistic and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so for the first time in decades, uh, the, the opportunity was there for us to go and to make disciples in uh, Russia and, and, and that. And I, as a new believer, uh, I felt God calling me to go. And so I, uh, I went that summer. I uh, hopped on a plane, went with a a group affiliated with InterVarsity and, uh, and went and spent this, the summer with college students in Russia. And part of the, part of the way it was, the program was set up is that we all had roommates. And so I had two Russian roommates, both of them were atheists. Uh, one of them roomed with me, one of them was kind of a sweet mate or whatever, uh, roomed with somebody else, but they were, they were kind of connected. But uh, the one that was in my room, his name was Constantine. And uh, Constantine was an atheist. And we tried to have conversations uh, throughout the early part of the summer. And they would go nowhere because he was just like, you can't prove to me that God exists. And I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. So I kind of just, just went with that. And, and uh, I remember one night in particular, uh, I was worshiping. I, I had uh, learned to play the guitar the summer before. And so I was just in my room sitting on my bed just kind of worshiping the Lord and spending some time with, with God. And, and uh, Constantine walked in. And he, he kind of walked in just kind of sheepishly, <laughs> kind of like, I'm, am I interrupting something? I'm sitting there playing. And so he goes over and sits on the bed, and I had this little nudge, this little prompting from God that said, you should pray for him. And I thought, oh, okay, but I, mean, I don't know how this is going to go, right? I mean, he's an atheist. He's probably going to. So I asked him. I was like, hey, man, I, I just thought maybe I just want to pray and wonder if I could pray for you if that would be okay. And it was kind of awkward, you know, that kind of a thing. But he's like, I guess, you know, kind of thing. And so I just, I remember sitting there on my bed and he's on the bed across from me and I'm just praying for him and just praying that God would reveal himself to him and, and show him his love and his power and, and his goodness and that kind of stuff. I pray that God would bless him and his family, draw him close and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't even 
remember what else. I kind of prayed for him for a few minutes and um, kind of finished up and said amen and uh, brought my eyes up and I look over and there, there's Constantine, he's staring at me. His face is pale, like he looks almost ill. Like he's sitting there staring at me. So he said, as you were praying, he was like, it's like I could see for the first time and it was like Jesus was sitting on the bed next to me. And I, we ended up having a conversation till late in the night. Long story short, Constantine became a disciple of Jesus that night. And the, the thing that's crazy about the story and the reason I share it is because I didn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, literally, like I could, I, I'd been a believer for a year. I had no idea like what I could say to convince him. I probably couldn't say anything to convince him that there was a God, let alone to become a follower of Jesus. There was nothing I could do. I didn't even know what the heck I was praying for. I was kind of stumbling all over myself. I was a little nervous because I was sort of like, ah. right? I mean, I didn't know. There was nothing I could do. All I could provide was the ordinary. All I could do was follow and obey the promptings and sort of step out in faith. God provides the extraordinary. Right? He provides the power. And as a result, lives get transformed that way. Right? Eternities get changed. As we simply follow Jesus, we learn to obey. When, as he's prompting us or speaking to us, we learn to, to obey and step out and go, right? Take, take, step out into the realm of faith. And we get to be a part of what God's doing on our planet. Somebody ought to say amen. I mean, like, this is like cool stuff, right? I mean, this is amazing that the living God would use ordinary people like us to carry out his plans on this earth. It's amazing. It's jaw-dropping. It's one of the coolest things ever. So there's that. Um, uh, Acts 1-8, this is sort of like, um, like, it's in the book of Acts. It's basically the Great Commission, but it's, it's uh, repeated a little bit differently. It's, it's explained a little bit differently. This is literally moments before Jesus is taken up. He reiterates this um, to his followers. I want you to just look at the words with this. He says, Jesus is talking to his followers. He says, but you, followers of Jesus, you will receive power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you, he says, will receive power when the Spirit comes on you. And, I'm, and I'm, with that power, I'm going to send you, I'm going to catapult you out into mission. Right? I'm going to move my kingdom forward through you. You'll receive power, he says, power. There's a Greek word, right, for this. It's dynamis. It's the same word we get dynamic from or dynamite or all these kinds of things, which, no, it's not negative. It's not going to blow things up or whatever. But it's, 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 it's a symbol. It's kind of an example of the kind of power that we're talking about, right? Dynamite, for instance, a little tiny stick of something doesn't look like much, but you set it on fire and, holy smokes, you can move mountains with that stuff, right? I mean, this is, this is similar. Jesus said, I'm going to put my spirit on you and... He's going to come, and he, there's going to be power that's going to be lived out through you, and, and you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go, right, and make disciples of all nations. I'm going to do that. As my spirit comes on you, there will be power. And you can, as you read through the rest of the book of Acts, you see that, right? I mean, that's what you see again and again and again. You see Peter, who again, last time we kind of saw him, and like we just talked about, um, couldn't even stand up to a couple of people around a fire uh, and, and claim the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, the Spirit comes on him on the day of Pentecost, and he 
preaches and, and shares about Jesus, and what happens? 3,000 people come to Christ. There's power, right? There's power that's there. And then you go on a little bit further in the story, and there's, there's all kinds of miraculous answers to prayer, right? Some of the disciples get thrown into jail, and the church prays for them, and an angel escorts them out of jail, right? This is like crazy. There's power that you see associated with this kind of stuff. You see it all over the place. It's over and over and over. You see the power of the Spirit, and it's specifically tied with, it's the power of the Spirit in conjunction with the mission of Jesus moving forward. I mean, even, even the early church, I mean, Jesus, again, final orders is to go and make disciples. And you see the church in Jerusalem, and what do they do? They stay, for the most part. <laughs> They're pretty comfortable. They're like, oh, yeah, there's, it's a big church. It's a, the programs are great. Nobody preaches like Peter. I mean, like, this is the good stuff. We're going to stay here forever. And God scatters them. He brings persecution, right? And the emperor starts uh, lighting Christians on fire and using them as torches at parties and that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, it is not fun to be uh, a Christian. And so they start scattering. And, you know, what happens to fire when you scatter it? It spreads and more things catch up, right? I mean, that's what, that's what he's, there's power as, as these Christians are going. There's churches that are popping up all over the place. People are coming to know Jesus. Why? There's power and they are sent out in the authority of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit and lives get transformed. You think God could do that through you? Do you think God has less power today than he did back then? Not at all. God is just as powerful as he ever was. And he is still, in fact, he is still transforming lives and spreading like wildfire in different parts of the world. The question I found myself asking this week was, if that kind of power is available to Christ followers today, why aren't we seeing more of it here in North America and here in Illinois? Has he lost his power? Now, let me, let me give you some examples here um, of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. If, if you were to look um, and, and to go um, look at some of the statistics and whatever about uh, Africa, for instance, the Southern Hemisphere, the church is exploding all over the place. Let me give you some stats. In 1900, so a little over 100 years ago, there were only 8.7 million people that would identify themselves as Christ followers on the continent of Africa. It's about 9% of the population. 100 years later, so by 2000, there were 360 million, or about 45% of the population. Can you imagine that? By 2025, they're estimating it'll be 633 million Christ followers. It'll double in 25 years in Africa, making it the second largest Christian continent on earth, second only to South America. They, they're experiencing 16,500 conversions a day. Isn't that crazy? 16,500 conversions to Christ every single day. And, and God says, you'll receive power when the spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses jesus says all authority has been given to me so go right and 
make disciples everywhere you go. By the way, when it says of, of all nations, yes, there is some geographical part of that, but you know what? It's, it, literally, it means as you go, make disciples. Wherever you go, make disciples. It's not necessarily about all of us need to go to Africa, right? Or, or all of us need to go to whatever. That's not exactly the point, is it? It's, it's sort of like wherever you go, go in my authority, go in my power, and live through that, that lens and that focus that says, you know, you're here to be used by God to, to draw people to Jesus and to transform lives and to, to see his kingdom come and his will done in this world as it is in heaven. It's the call. It's the command. It's the great commission of Jesus. He's doing it in different parts of the world, and he can do it through you. He can do it in you. He can do it right here and right where you live. Could it be that there is more power available? There's more power living inside of us and that's available through God's spirit than we're living in. You know, it's interesting, uh, but there's, I mentioned it earlier, but there's a link in all these passages that talks about the power that will come on us by the spirit and the mission of Jesus, right? He says, you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. He says, I have all authority and I'm sending you in my authority so go and make disciples. There's this, there's this link between the two. The natural outflow as God pours out his power is it's meant to go. Like the church is meant to go and to make disciples and to reach more and to raise up uh, obedient, faithful disciples of Jesus who will raise up more disciples and raise up more disciples and raise up more disciples. And I was thinking this week, could it be, church, could it be that if if we're not experiencing power in our lives and we're not seeing it in our midst, could it be that it's as simple as maybe it's because we're not following Jesus, we're not obeying him, or we're not going? As, as the church went in the book of Acts, they saw God work in unbelievable ways. Could it be that we too would experience God to provide the extra, and if we provided the, or could we experience the extraordinary power of God if we were willing to simply go to live as a disciple and to step out in faith to help reach and to make more disciples of Jesus, teaching them to obey everything he's commanded, and surely he will be with you. Ephesians 1, 18 through 20 says this, and it's, it's a classic verse, but it's a, it's a prayer, but I love what it contains. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened or enlightened in order that you can know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. There's power. It's like, there's incomparably great power for us who believe. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. God is not out of power. He is not limited in any sphere. He says there is power enough that God can use even you and use even me to carry out his mission. There is power enough to accomplish his will if we're willing to follow and we're willing to obey and we're willing to go with him. Go make disciples, he says, in my power, in my name, and I'll be with you, in my name, I'll be with you to the end.
remember reading a number of years ago, and I'll close with this, but I remember reading a number of years ago, it's a book called An Unstoppable Force. It's by Ernie McManus. He uses in there uh, a story about kind of the different groupings of animals, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and I love this, but kind of play along with me. Like a group of fish is called a school. A group of cattle is called a herd. A group of ants is called colony, right? Something like that. A group of crows is called a murder, right? That's, that's all, that one always cracks me up. Or uh, a, a group of vultures, right, is called a committee. Have you heard this? Like a, a group of, I mean, this is awesome. I, I'm not making this up. You know, a group of, uh, you know, flesh-eating birds sitting around a carcass plunging their heads in. They're like, that's a committee. Some of you who have been on committees can understand where that comes from, right? Like, you're like hey, man, preacher. Right? That's kind of the, like, but this, this is, this one is, is my favorite, and this is where it's going. A group of rhinos is called a crash, and uh, he goes on to explain. He says, rhinos can run 30 miles an hour, which is pretty fast when you think about how big they are, right? Rhino, uh, an adult rhino weighs between four and 6,000 pounds, running 30 miles an hour. He's like, can you imagine? I mean, the, the, the crazy thing about rhinos, though, he says, is they have, like, terrible eyesight. They are unable to see anything past 30 feet. He's like, so imagine a group of rhinos, right? I mean, a whole, a whole crash of rhinos running at 30 miles an hour, four to 6,000 pounds a piece, and they have no idea what's at 31 feet, right? He's like, he's like you, would, you would think, he says, you'd think that that would make them kind of docile and timid because they don't know what's out there. They don't whatever. He's like, but that is not the case at all. They run full bore. They, they run with attitude, right? Like, whatever's at 31 feet, better get the heck out of the way because we're coming, right? That's, that's where they get the name. They're a crash of rhinos. And he goes on to say, man, imagine for a moment if the church reached its full potential that way. Imagine for a moment. You've been given a great calling. You've been given supernatural gifts of the Spirit. You have been empowered. You've been endowed with power and filled with His Spirit. The living God is inside of you. And he has called you and commanded you and me to go and be his witnesses, to go and make disciples of all nations. And everywhere you go, you're to live in him and you're to bring his presence and his peace and his kingdom and his message to bear on the world. You don't have to be a superstar. You can just be you. He provides the extra, right? We, all we have to provide is the ordinary and a heart that is wide open and trusting and following and obeying what he calls us to do. So imagine that you have been called and gifted and empowered and filled and commanded to go and to live as disciple-making missionaries in your world, at your workplace and at your school and in your neighborhood and in our homes anywhere we go, that we would go and live this out. Imagine if you and I and all of us were to embrace this calling and to live it out with passion. When we live out that calling and that identity and we remain in him and we live in his power and fullness and we go, we become a human version. The church becomes a crash of sorts against the kingdom of darkness. We become an unstoppable force, as McManus says. Who cares what's at 31 feet? The kingdom of darkness had better get the heck out of the way, right? Yeah. I mean, imagine if you and I were to live that out. 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like I, we can co all come up with reasons why we are incapable and we're incompetent and we're not strong enough and we don't know. We're not eloquent of speech enough and we can't. I don't know the little tricks about how to share and how to make this. He says, "Go." He says, "All authority in heaven and on earth, all authority in the universe, right, has been given to Jesus." He says, "Therefore, go in my name. Go and make disciples. Go and live as my disciple. Follow, obey." Go, and surely I will be with you always to the very end. Imagine what he would do. Imagine what he will do as we follow and obey. My challenge, right, the, the call for this week is would you start praying that way, right? I mean, like going back to that story we had at first, what if we started praying before we go into work, before we go into the grocery store, before we get out of our car, when we open up our front door? Imagine if we were to start praying and opening up our hearts and saying, God, how do you want to use me today? Would, would you lead me? Would you, would you teach me? Would you lead me? Would you open my eyes to the opportunities you're giving me to go and make disciples today? To go and speak a word, to go and pray a prayer with somebody or over some whatever. Would you, would you direct me and lead me? Would you start praying that way wherever you go? Would you be aware? Start looking through that lens. I am a disciple of Jesus, and I am here on this earth filled with his power to go and make disciples. And then as he prompts you, as he starts nudging you, as he starts opening your eyes and answering those prayers, because he will, would you, would you take a step? Would you step out and go and share about what God's done in you, about what he's doing, about how good he is, about the, the good plans he has in store for them? Would you go? Let's close in prayer. Father, uh, I just pray today for us. I pray that we would accept and embrace your call, Jesus, that we would not be content to sit passively by, to just uh, sit in our little holy huddles and stay in Jerusalem, but that today, even as we leave from here, yes, we come to, to, uh, to find encouragement and training and worship and come for all kinds of reasons. I pray that you would send us out on a mission today, though, God to live as disciple makers in this world. We are, we are not up for it, but you are more than up for it. And so I pray that you would just send us out in your spirit, in your power, and that this week as we seek to follow you, as we seek to obey, as we seek to go, God, would you work in ways that bring your kingdom? Would you, would you work in ways that draw people to Jesus? I pray that we would come back with stories next week of how you have transformed lives, of how you are at work in our region, in our area, of how you're using even us for your glory and your purposes. We love you, God. We need you. We just offer ourselves to you. Just pray, come and have your way. Come and lead us and guide us. Teach us to live on mission with you. It's in your name that we pray.